hello there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Heart of It. We are halfway through our Grateful Showcase, and my name is Sam Smeltzer, and I am your host for this episode and most of the episodes on The Heart of It. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about this. I'm super excited about all these episodes because these are my favorite. These are absolutely my favorite to record all year because I get the extreme honor and privilege of sitting down with some of the people that um, I am incredibly grateful for this year that have really empowered me to do what I needed to do to get to that next level. And it's so interesting because actually this past week I was um, facilitating a workshop that we do at Leadership Arts Associates and one of the participants, I was showing her uh, a sneak peek of my book because I got the print copy of my book. Yeah, the print proof. I have it in my hands right now. If this was video, you could see it. If this was, uh, what is it? Um Willy Wonka TV. If you watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I could send it to you and you could touch it and feel it. And if you haven't seen that movie, maybe you should watch it so you know what I'm talking about. But um, she was just saying, wow, you've accomplished so much in the last three years, like three years. Have you ever put that into the context? Like, uh, and it's funny because I basically, you know, get up and I start running and I'm sprinting and I feel like I haven't done enough and I just want more and more. Um, that sounds really greedy, but to do more and more, cause I'm so excited and passionate about what I do. I'm incredibly blessed that I get to do what I do for a living, which is really helping other people and really making a difference and being able to give back. And, um, and so I'm, I, yeah, I guess I'm kind of addicted to it. I just want more and more. I just want to keep doing it. I want to keep putting myself out there. And so when she said that, she's like, it's been three years, Sam, and look at everything that you've done from launching a business to creating some workshops to launching a podcast. You know, we're on episode 56 to writing a book. And I was like, wow, yeah, I guess I have done a lot in the last three years. And a big piece of that, a huge piece of that has been these people that I highlight on the Grateful Showcase, whether we go all the way back to the beginning with my mental advisory board, which I still think is a great resource for those out there. Um, And those people, when I was, you know, not comfortable to go talk to real people and really say I'm a business owner and put it out there to those that we had last year. And those people are still having a high impact on my life. I was, it was very hard for me not to want to list them down again, because I just saw a couple actually last night and I'm just so grateful for them and their continued love and support. And now the four that I'm adding this year, it's just, it's unbelievable. And I know, I know deep down inside, this is something at my core that if these people were not around and love loving and supporting me or doing what they need to do in my life, um, I would not be where I am today. So without further ado, let's, let's talk about today's guest because that is why you're here is to hear about the incredible Mr. Ryan McShane, who is, um, he's just a wonderful, incredible, beautiful person, another incredible, beautiful soul that I get to share with you today. And the reason why I have my book in front of me is not because I'm doing self promo because I need to start thinking about that, but I'm not quite ready because the book needs a little bit more, um, 
a little more of those few last touches. Um, but because the book be, became so relevant to me when I was uh, interviewing Ryan, because the experiences that Ryan was sharing um, were a lot, paralleled a lot with what I actually put in my book. Uh, and it was, once again, very affirming to me, very supportive of me. And he didn't even know that he was doing it. Because when I wrote the book, I was kind of like, wow these experiences, why would anyone want to read these? Like maybe no one's had these experiences. And so I wrote this book thinking that I'm going to be super duper relevant and reach out to people. And it's going to really, um, strike a chord with so many yet I'm in the back of my mind, you know, you have that inner critic. That's definitely like, Sam, you're stupid. Like this is not anything that anybody wants to read. Uh, and then Ryan is slowly leaking in stories and experiences that are very similar in that context and talking about how they're so significant for him. And so once again, I was so grateful because it started to reaffirm me that, you know, I am where I need to be in this next part of my life. And what I wrote, even, even though I was extremely proud of it, I didn't, I didn't know if it was worthy to put out there. Um, and he, he did that for me. And so, you know, when I met Ryan, um, it was after a lot of people have been pushing. A lot of people were telling me that I needed to connect with him. Uh, you know, as I did the interview, I learned that it was, it was both ways. So there was a lot of energy that was put forth for us to make that initial connection. And once that was made, um, I, I was totally blown away. Um, I'm so fortunate to have uh, lunches and coffee conversations with this guy and where our conversations go. It's basically, there are no limits. We can talk about anything when we talk about personal and professional development, we talk about our lives. Um, and it just feels good when you have someone in your life that you can just know that you can connect with and you can just, you can just talk. You, you don't have to worry about your filters. You don't have to worry about what they're going to think because you know that they're going to accept you. You know that they love and support the person that you truly are. Um, and as you uh, move up in your life, especially uh, in the industries that I'm in, you know, doing speaking, doing coaching, doing uh, podcasting, being an author, you know, Brian's got a lot of that going on too. Being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, you have a lot of conversations where there are expectations that are there, that people expect you to be a certain way. They expect you, um, to be this certain thing to them. And it's, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, and so I, I would not trade for the world. Those people that allow me to be a hundred percent authentic, whether that is me on a good, bad, or ugly day. Um, more so, you know, the ability to be vulnerable and talk about the things and the insecurities, because those are the things that I constantly have to process if I'm going to grow. Ryan has been someone who has been a, a great example um, at that. And as someone who is further along in their career, uh, definitely has more tenure than me, uh, I look up to that. And that's kind of, you know, something that once again is affirming to me that I'm on the right path, that here's somebody who has um, lived and seen more. Uh, and these are the takeaways that they're having. And so, um, I'm just, I keep saying this, but I'm just so grateful. 
So I think I've jabbered enough about this and I really want to get to this interview because, uh, Ryan, uh, one of my favorite things to do with Ryan is to have conversations with him. So when I get the privilege of recording it, which we got to do this a little bit with the men's conference and sharing it with the world, it is, uh, so valuable because Ryan just has so much to share with the world. And so if you can get one nugget of knowledge from this, if you can listen to a couple minutes of the interview, I guarantee you're going to walk away with something. And so without further ado, I want to go ahead and do his formal bio before I transition us to my interview with Ryan McShane. So here we go. Ryan McShane has been serving the human resources profession for over 20 years and currently operates a consulting firm specializing in human resources, leadership development, and career transition consulting. Prior to that, Ryan worked in the public, private, and non and not-for-profit sectors, learning the various cultural norms, principles, and practices for each sector and applying that learning to create high-performance leaders and organizations today throughout Maryland and Pennsylvania. Ryan is also the immediate past president for the largest local SHRM chapter in the state of Maryland, the Chesapeake Human Resource Association, CHRA. Ryan's professional affiliations include serving on the board of the Chesapeake Human Resource Association, board membership and membership director of the Hunt Valley Business Forum, a founding member of the Conscious Capitalism Central Maryland, a member of York, oh, Central Maryland, a member of York PA's local SHRM chapter, a member of UMBC's Instructional System Systems Development ISD Advisory Board, and a former member of the Boomer Council, an advisory council focused focusing on civic engagement and mature workforce strategies. Ryan is passionate about creating and leveraging existing tools and systems to enable both individuals and organizations to achieve their highest potential through greater awareness and a conscious approach to workforce management, honoring all stakeholders wherein equal consideration is given to people, planet, and profit. And... Without further ado, here is my incredible interview with the one, the only, Ryan McShane. Enjoy. Well, Brian, thank you so much for coming in today and being a part of my Grateful Showcase for 2017. I'm so incredibly grateful for you and also incredibly grateful that you are participating in this podcast. And I cannot wait to share you with the world. And I say that every time that I get the chance to record you and put you in any facet that I've been able to do that in the last year. That's so kind of you, Sam. It's really a pleasure to be here. Cool. All right. So let's get into it. This is my favorite question that I get to ask on the Grateful Showcase because it's probably the only opportunity that you really, without sounding like a creeper, get to ask somebody, how do you remember how we met? (laughs) I mean, unless it's like a dating context. I think it's the only other time that we have these conversations. But um, Dark alleys. (laughs) (laughs) So can you share with the world what you remember about our first initial connections and how our relationship and partnership started to evolve? Yeah. You know, I think it, um, I started looking at this question and started to think about it and I had to really think about it, um, how we met. And I think it was a, a matter of mutual colleagues. Um, when I hung my shingle out two years ago and really started to focus on expanding my network in my backyard, so to speak, being that I live in Stewartstown, um, 
However, I've operated out of Maryland professionally all my life. I thought it only made sense to expand my network in my uh, backyard in in York, Pennsylvania, and uh, to start getting connected with folks in this area. And in so doing, um, I connected with York Sherm. And uh, I met Becky Stauffer uh, through York Sherm, and she and I hit it off immediately, uh, ended up uh, following up and having a couple conversations and, and uh, coffees and so forth. And as I continue to describe, uh, you know, what, what I'm all about, what my passion is, what my interests are, uh, she said, you have got to meet this lady named Sam Smelter. And um, I said, okay, okay, you know, I I certainly will. And then, um, you know, as Becky had suggested I meet um, other people, I started setting up different meetings and and contacts and everything. And uh, there was uh, another gentleman that I ended up meeting. Um, Justin Leader is his name. And Justin Leader said, you've got to meet Sam Smeltzer. Everything you tell me about yourself and everything that you're focused on, it is so aligned with what Sam is doing. You really have to meet Sam. And so, uh, you know, I took a deep breath one day and said, uh, I've got to reach out and uh, see if I can connect with Sam. And I did that. So yeah. that's how we, that's, mm-hmm. that's what I remember, Sam. Yeah. No, that's pretty close. I think mine was mutual colleagues on the opposite side that kept saying it. And, um, you know, life goes by so quickly and so fast. And you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, I will. I will totally make coffee yeah. with that person. Um, and then by the time you get to, like, the third person, you're like, all right, I got it. I got it. I'm going to make sure that I pay attention Indeed. And, and do this. And I think it's really cool um, that you mentioned Becky Stauffer because she was a guest last year for the Grateful Showcase. Nice. Because that's when our professional networking relationship really started to take off, even mm-hmm. though I've known her for several years. And just to kind of see a true ripple effect happen in both ways of how you've had an impact on my life. Um and now it's just it's like the natural evolution. It's kind of cool to see that happening now. Great. Very much so. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Ryan. Absolutely. So um, we're going to jump right into some biggies, uh, talking about purpose. And I guess I should put a little bit of context around this. So this year has been very monumental for my growth. I've really kind of pushed myself and really asked myself some questions. I know that you're familiar with a lot of that because you've seen me going through the evolution of Sam from programming to my practitioner ways to... Um, even the rebranding of the organization that I own. Um, But I really was challenging myself with, like, what is my purpose personally and professionally? And I think that articulating this is something that we all try to do. Some of us are still on that path. And so I think it's important to put out there with somebody that I highly respect is, do you know what it is? Are you still on the path? Uh, Do you have one? Is it personal? Is it professional? Are they one and the same? Do you have one figured out but not the other? Like, where does the where does the area of having a purpose, where does that sit with Ryan McShane? Mm, what a phenomenal question and a powerful <laughs> one, too. You know, I've, I've given thought to this question throughout my entire life, and I think that's what drives me is what is my purpose? Why am I here? And, you know, I, I'm fortunate to look back and see that um, patterns of when I ask that question, what occurs um, as a response to that. So uh, at different stages of my life, I feel that my purpose was different. And so, and I saw it as being different. So let's say uh, Ryan, Ryan McShane back in high school, what was his purpose at that point in time? Well, it was to have a good time. <laughs> it, was to, it was girls. It was chasing girls. It was football. It was looking cool. You know, those kind of things. So um, you know, then I went off to college. It was still more partying and those kind of things. 
You know, when I got into my career, it was when I started to say, all right, what, what is this going to look like? What is my uh, career and professional life and personal life going to look like in the future? What do I want it to look like? And so all too often, I think um, what I did is what most people do is look at what their parents did. Mm-hmm. And say, okay, is that a pattern that I want to follow? Mm-hmm. Um, is that, is there anything that I know outside of that pattern necessarily? And I didn't really recognize anything outside of that pattern, other than you know, go get the um, decent paying job, you know, the wife, and start the family and kids and all that kind of stuff. So I think my purpose and and um, right after I graduated college was to figure out my life and to figure out what uh, steps I wanted to take and where I wanted to go with that. Again, I think that was a very prescribed notion of what steps I was going to take next. And it was only as a result of going through my career and experiencing different challenges um, that that purpose question continued to bubble up for me. Have I been put on this earth only to work and pay bills and um, have a family and reproduce and consume? You know, these kind of questions continued to revolve around my mind. And um, I I looked for experiences that enlivened me throughout my life. And so I can look back to my career and say, okay, you know, this was a great experience. And I could see that I had a very positive impact, Um, you know, and I kind of put that, uh, you know, off to the side and remember that and continue to refer to that. And then, you know, there's been experiences where they've been extremely painful in the career and, and uh, professional aspect. And I remember, you know, what, what exacerbated this? Why do I feel that this was a painful experience? What, what's behind that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's really been kind of neat is underlying um, my career evolution has also been a personal evolution uh, of mine. I, and the, the interplay between personal and professional, for me, it has always had to be coherent. I have to feel like I'm growing personally as well as professionally. Um, I think far too long what I did was um, compartmentalize myself. And I think that um, in so doing, caused additional separation or, or dis-ease within myself and pain within myself. And, and what I mean by that is I was one person when I went to uh, my job and I was one person when I walked in the door at home. And I think that compartmentalization of who I am really exhausted me to a great extent because it was, it was, not, um, it was not prevalent in that period in time to consider who am I as a person and then how can I best um, build a career around who I am as a person. It's more of uh, the latter first. And so it was the cart before the horse. What do you want to do before considering who you are? And that's a big part of what I do now in my career is help people consider and figure out who they are and then how does a career best align with that, their strengths, their skills, their passions, and their purpose in life or what they see as their purpose in life. So what I've been trying to do or what I have been doing is an examination of my own career, my own challenges, my own trials and tribulations, and Experiencing that through the lens of a human resources professional, um, I have now the ability to help people that are in transition, to help people that, um, like me, have struggled to find their purpose and their um, career alignment through their purpose. 
And so that's been especially fulfilling for me. Um, in addition to that, the growth component is really important to me. So consider how uh, we see the world around us and then how we best operate within that world. I think that's a challenge for all of us. Um, and so if I can leverage the um, things that I've experienced in my life to benefit other people, that they can avoid some of the pains that I went through, how wonderful is that, you know, to be able to... Um, Enable people to have a more quality life than you have by the learning that you've experienced. I think that's wonderful. Um, and, you know, we do learn from our mistakes. There's no question about that. But true wisdom is that we can learn from other people's mistakes and not have to go through that pain. Um, and so uh, that's been really when I look back at this point in my career, and I should mention that I'm an entrepreneur. I am no longer working in a corporate environment, in a corporate setting. And so I started my career uh, at the federal government. And so had someone told me a long time ago, Ryan, with your personality, the last place you want to work is the federal government. You know, you're a creative, artistic person with a lot of empathy and a compassion, and you want to see the big picture and the connection to what you do to an outcome. Well, the DOD is not the place for you, buddy, because you're just a cog in a much, much larger system. And so I couldn't see the impact of what I was doing. And the cultural norm was such that you do enough just to get by. You don't really uh, advance. You don't grow. You don't evolve in that um, kind of setting. And that flew in the face of everything I believed in. So it really created, again, a great deal of dis-ease within me um, for a daily work environment that I had to go to. Uh, so that's when I went into the dot-com environment. And that startup environment uh, was the complete opposite end of the spectrum, where uh, within the government, we had a policy for everything. And the startup environment, we were building the plane as we were flying it. And so that really exposed me to a whole different culture and climate and environment as well. And then I went to a um, large nonprofit and that nonprofit was such that they were driven by core values. And so it was an environment where they had the, all these wonderful values that were written down on the wall that they actually walked and talked. And it wasn't just a sign on the wall that we paid homage to. It was how they actually practiced their work. And that was very enlivening to me um, because it, it gave me the clear impression that I hadn't had in the past that people really believed in others, and they really felt like their purpose and place in life was to serve others. And that that's something I identified with, because I could see a big purpose and, a, and an impact, and the positivity that was created as a, as a result of that. Um, whereby, in the past, I've only, I had only seen operators operate in the notion of what creates the most profit, no matter what. And so that no matter what component has often compromised our humanity. Mm -hmm. And as a human resources professional, once again, that flies in the face of everything we believe in and everything that is a part of um, what I believe as well. And so um, I think it's been really kind of incredible to look back and see how my career experience has evolved, how my perceptions mm -hmm. around my career has evolved. Mm -hmm and why I am where I am today as an uh, independent consultant. Um, because I feel like I can have the kind of direct impact um, with my clients that really feeds me, and I also feel like I'm enabled to carry a message and also carry the practical tools that enable organizations to 
stop operating from a traditional Mm -hmm. format of command and control, (laughs) top-down, autocratic notion of Mm -hmm. do what I tell you because I'm your boss versus a servant leadership model that really enables the highest capabilities of a leader's followers. And truly, that's what it's all about. And that's how I've operated best in in the past is when I've had leaders that have had faith in me beyond what I had in myself that have really said, Ryan, I know you can do this, you know, and have given me the opportunity to fail, the opportunity to push myself beyond the boundaries of what I previously knew. And now I'm in a position to do that for others. And that feels really good. Yeah. I, I love how you share your story, because even though when you went back to talk about <clears throat> your your time period in, in government work in the public sector mm-hmm. and, and not having that mesh, but then also I love when you started using the word evolution, because I just, I find it all, what is that word, serendipitous? Yes. Because mm-hmm. you just rebranded your organization as HR Evolution and talking about how that's what you're helping people, and you really did a nice job of sharing how your purpose has evolved, but you take a little piece of that mm-hmm. and then getting to where you are now, and it's going to probably continue to evolve, which I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that my purpose, I mean, if I wanted to really like lay it down it's all around people, mm-hmm. but what I do with those people has kind of evolved as the years yeah. have gone on. Whether it's, I want them to just like me, I want people to like me back in the day when you are in middle school, versus when you start getting into right on. the next level. So, yeah, you're exactly Yeah, right. thank you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, obviously, we're talking about people. You're right there with me in the people business where we have a, a very big heart for people in the workplace. And I think that they're obviously instrumental. You talked a little bit about leaders who kind of affirmed for you, and that was very necessary for you to get to that next step. So when you're talking about this evolution, getting to your purpose where you are today, who are some people that are standouts, good, bad, and indifferent, um, who really helped to expose that for you, that this was your purpose? You know, that that's such a great question. And, you know, when I was... Thinking you had sent me the questions in advance, and uh, I'm grateful for that um, because it gave me an opportunity to really think about that. And it occurs to me that when I initially thought of it was, and you had even indicated good or, or bad, is that none of them were good or bad. They were all what they needed to be at that moment for me to change or for me to take that little piece of information and use it in some kind of way to benefit um, how I see the world. Mm-hmm. And so then, obviously, how I operate within the world. So, I, you know, you have to list your parents on that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the people that shaped you, the people that programmed you, so to speak, um, and raised you. Um, and I'm so um, fortunate to have been raised in a loving household. Um, and then you start to go into other environments where you have those parent figures that mm-hmm. continue to have that uh, level of authority or messaging or predominance in your life. And so I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some teachers. Um, coaches were certainly a part of that as well. Uh, you know, I often think back to uh, a basketball coach and uh, this particular coach uh, he always looked out for me. You know, I I was never a star on the basketball team. I uh, definitely kept that bench warm for the starters, um, and um, I definitely um, gave the starters someone to practice against. <laughs> Those kind of things. Um, but what an honor it was to be a part of this um, team. 
and I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. And I think that um, that coach kept me a part of the team because he knew it was good for me as a person, and he also um, saw my commitment to the, the team mm-hmm. and always desiring to be better. And so while I didn't play a whole lot, I was a big part of this team, and that was important to me. That, that particular experience was important to me. And this particular coach, he always treated every um, student-athlete with a great deal of respect. And I, that's something I always valued. You know, He didn't treat you like a punk kid, although you may have acted like one. <laughs> and so you know, talk about those people that have given you res- more respect than you've deserved mm-hmm. and how that's helped you grow. Yeah. As a result of that, um, I think that's been pretty powerful. So I think back to that uh, that particular coach, and then when you think about people that have shaped your life, um, you know, I couldn't I couldn't articulate a list of people without talking about friends, um, and particularly um, friends that have been present in my life, only to be taken out of my life very short, uh, very quickly, um, and it, it's. It's a little difficult for me to articulate because it is so emotional um, for me. Um, I've had a number of people pass at an early age, um, and that that shaped me as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a result of going through those experiences and not being ready to go through those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is a big part of who I am today because as as a result of going through those things and not necessarily being ready to go through those things Mm -hmm. and how I did respond to those things, once again, has enabled me to teach others based on what my experience was, how you can respond to things and how um, you would be better to respond um, to things, better served uh, and responding in different ways, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Um, so what I mean by that is um, I didn't respond well to uh, loss, so to speak. And, um, you know, I, I guess I could probably even go back to very early times, um, you know, my very first girlfriend and, and being um, rejected from that standpoint. When you break up for the first time, your first heartbreak, whatever that, you know, yeah. and... Um, you know, those are great growth experiences, incredible growth experiences. Um, as painful as we might um, view them to be at the time, or even now, um, if we haven't fully processed them, um, they are learning opportunities for for us. And so, you know, whether it's the rejection or a loss, in trying to examine, examine why we have such deep pain around that, we start to unearth Mm-hmm. on many aspects about ourselves. And so why why am I so um, thrown off by a rejection? Why am I so deeply pained by a loss? Why can't I bounce back like other people? Yeah. You know, type of things. And so um, for a long time I thought, wait a second, I'm not bouncing back like other people. You know, I'm not processing these things like other people. Well, I don't know how other people were processing things, yeah. number one. Uh, number two, um, comparison is always um, a recipe for um, misery, really. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to. I, I just want to consider. Hey, I've got these feelings. Yeah. I. It's not a matter of sitting there and going, I shouldn't have these feelings because for a long time I thought, you know what, other people are bouncing back and they're responding to these setbacks a little bit better than I am. I shouldn't 
have these feelings. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I started to create this dichotomy within myself. I had these feelings, but I shouldn't have these feelings. Mm -hmm. So then I started to kind of internally uh, process these things in a way that was... Um, negative towards myself, so to speak. I, I wasn't allowing myself to heal those feelings. I was just saying, I shouldn't have them. I shouldn't have them. I shouldn't have them. And so as a result of continually saying, I shouldn't have these feelings, I, again, have denied reality in some way. And so therefore, I've created a path of survival instead of success. Had I embraced those kind of feelings and said, all right, why do I have these feelings? Let's take a deep dive and really think about what's going on here. I would have then had a better opportunity to respond in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I had a standpoint of resistance to those feelings. And so it was a matter of, I shouldn't have these feelings. I'm going to ignore these feelings. I'm going to act like they don't exist. And anytime these feelings get out of um, control for me or too much to handle, I'm going to anesthetize those feelings in some way, shape, or form. And I chose drinking to do that because it was the um, acceptable way to anesthetize those kind of feelings. Um, And so, you know, as a result of going through those those experiences of continually anesthetizing myself, Mm -hmm. that led me to uh, the experience of, wait, this is only taking me further down, Mm -hmm. further down the rabbit hole. It it took me further away from realizing the pain that I had Mm -hmm. um, because I continued to numb it. And so um, it it was a matter of anything that caused pain, anything that I didn't want to look at, anything that was a should in my mind that I wasn't being compliant to um, was something that I wanted to numb out and anesthetize. And so um, I did that, and I did it well. Um, for a number of years, because in college, you you know, that's a part of the culture yeah. is to continue yeah. to party, continue to, uh, you know, yeah. uh, anesthetize. And it was very much a part of, you know, if you were having a challenge and you hear it today in, in the culture, mm-hmm. having a bad day, open a bottle. Yeah, it's in all the movies. What do they do when they have a bad day? They go and grab a bottle. That's yeah. exactly right. And so that's precisely what I did. Rather than internally process what was happening to me, mm-hmm. I just anesthetized it. Oh, it, it's not there. That feeling's no longer there because I've drowned it. Yeah. Okay? And so then I didn't have to look at it. And I did. I successfully did that. I, I air quote successfully did that for a number of years. Until um, till the alcohol stopped working. Mm-hmm. It no longer anesthetized. And that was interesting in and of itself because, you know, what, what worked no longer worked. Mm-hmm. And so the blessing of that was now I've got to really look at myself. Yeah. Wait, the, the, the numbing agent's not numbing anymore. The pain is still there. You know, and as much as I could uh, put in to my system, it just didn't work. It didn't take away those feelings anymore. And I had to come face to face with those feelings and start to figure out what's going on. Why do I process the world the way I process the world? And as a result of asking those kind of questions, that led me to the greatest growth I've ever had in my life. And... um, even within the past two years since I left the corporate environment, 
Um, what an incredible experience that has been to say to really bring together both my passion, my personal passions mm-hmm. of continuous growth and development to my professional um, persona and be able to help other people as a result of the experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we talk about the title of my organization, HR Evolution, mm-hmm. it's all about us as human resources in the work environment evolving to our highest potential. And the tagline that I often use is evolving the why and the way we work. Mm-hmm. And the why, I think, is something that we've really got to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all too often we're... Um, we're playing with the external, and the external is the way we approach work. Mm-hmm. And we've been conditioned about a certain way to approach work that had been created, truthfully, 130 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's based off a militaristic model. And that militaristic model is very much a command and control and compliance methodology. We recognize as humans that that limits our capabilities in terms of creativity, in terms of relationship development, in terms of knowledge management, um, in terms of really being able to do what logically makes sense Mm. to benefit those around us. And so we um, step into systems where we have the tail wagging the dog all too often and we're more adherent to systems than we are to people mm-hmm. in all, um in many cases and so and I believe that one of my roles here is to kind of blow that up, so to speak, mm-hmm. is to um, ask people to take a pause for the cause mm-hmm. and step back and say, you know, instead of saying, this is the way we've always done it, mm-hmm. let's start asking what makes sense to do? Mm-hmm. What is our purpose? Why are we here? And I think, uh, you know, we operate from uh, this is the way we've always done it because it's been comfortable for us. To do otherwise is tumultuous. It creates conflict within us internally um, because this is um, a changing of the way we see the world and the way we um, see how we want to operate. And so this creates um, a little bit of unsettlement for folks. But as a result of doing that, we have the potential to create something that is monumentally Mm. greater for us as a result of that. So, you know, I liken it to the pain that I've gone through in my personal evolution. You know, when I look back on it, I I am so grateful for these experiences. Mm -hmm. As painful as they were, I am so grateful for these experiences because they've brought me to the understanding that I have today. They've brought me to the growth and and who I am today um, and how I operate and treat others as a result of that. Um, and, and I'm quite happy about that. And I think the people that surround me on a regular basis are probably happy about that as well. Yeah. I, um, I, one of the things that I always admire about you and love about you is you take the context of relationships, whether personal or professional, to a whole another level. And I think professionally, they have to be at a higher level. I mean, that's when we start seeing the results that we're always aiming for, especially in the HR profession. If you're talking about engagement, if you're talking about loyalty, no matter what the numbers are saying, or if I have to do a pay cut, or if I have to cut hours, it will come if those relationships are there. And one of my um, memories of you that I just have crystal clear in my mind, and it always is there, is you were speaking actually at Yorkshire, and you started off the 
the presentation by saying, am I the only one who believed that when we entered the work environment, we were going to basically have parents as our leaders, people that were going to look out for us and take care of us. And I think listening to the people that you truly um, had an impact on you, even talking about your first girlfriend, because I think that's, I think it's just funny because I just recently had to unpack my first breakup too because I did numb it and realized Uh that it was a huge growth event for us. And as painful as it is, loss does seem to be where we have a large amount of growth that surrounds that Mm -hmm. um, and then loss in in every kind of capacity. And I'm sure what you went through, you probably, because I see this in, in my work as well with, you know, organizations when leaders exit, when staff exit, the team goes through the grief process. Yes, very much so. And so it's just, um, wow, talk about just just powerful. I mean, like, I just love how you go on these, like, little evolution stories. Like, like, all <laughs> tangents? In them. No, because they're more than that. I've had people who've gone on tangents, but I'm just like, I don't want to stop you because it's all, it's always all so highly valuable. It's always such great insights and I'm very appreciative of that. And even on social media, media, it's like you're always learning and you're always sharing. And I will see your little stuff pop up and I always have to like slow down and like see where's Ryan McShane's head today? What, what, and then I always want to like, I want to like text you and say, what's happening in your world that this is what you're typing about on Facebook? I I think probably a lot of people (laughs) think that. What's going on with Ryan? You know? But, you know, all too, all too often, it doesn't really have anything to do with anything. And, and, you know, it's interesting because I've posted things in the past where people will look, take it from a political standpoint, had nothing to do with politics. <laughs> you know, it had some, much more to do with our interpersonal processing yeah. and, and personal dynamics, you know. But, you know, the bottom line on, you know, the, the big question about people that have been instrumental in me, um, for me and my development, you know, outside of myself... I had all these people that were able to reflect back to me my perceptions. And it was a result of being true to myself that enabled me to find myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to understand and for um, people to understand is it's not just what wins you favor in the eyes of those other people, mm-hmm. but what is most important to you? What resonates with you? And you can feel that within yourself if you pay attention to that. You know, are you compromising yourself to, um, you know, please this person's perception of you? And we all do it to a, to a certain extent because that's how we were raised, you know, making mom and dad happy. And then we go into the workforce and we want to make the boss happy type of thing. But if we're doing that and in so doing... Um, we feel very uncomfortable. We feel like um, we're compromising who we are. Um, we're doing things that we wouldn't normally do um, towards someone else as a result of that. We've got to step back and look at that. And it, it ultimately comes down to being true to yourself. Once we stop living according to others' expectations and consider what are our own expectations, I think we have the true freedom at that point to start creating our own lives. Mm. And, and that's what it comes – once we break the conditioning, that's when we have the opportunity to be anything and everything we want to be. Mm. And, and I think that's a really exciting precipice to be. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to bring my clients to experience and, and to be is, you know, I know I've had all these career experiences. I know what my strengths are. I know what people have told me I do well. 
Now, let's shake off everything and consider what do I want to do with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do I want to do with wow. that? So, so um, this may have been something that you already were starting to address, but mm-hmm. we're going to switch to passion. And um, one of my mentors, Neen James, she's an attention expert. Ah. And one of the things that she always talks about when she uses the word passion, she always says, what are you obsessed with? And she's a little Australian, so hearing it with the Australian accent, Mm -hmm. I always think it's very Uh cute. But so what are you obsessed with? I know that you're talking about your tagline and the why and the way that we do things and why that is important. Um, and you definitely had passion coming out in there. Is that what you're obsessed with now? Or what is Ryan, obs- Ryan McShane obsessed with at this current moment? You kind of hit on it a few minutes ago with learning. I am always learning. <clears throat> and it's interesting because, um, you know, I've found myself really um, uh, being attracted um, towards the sciences uh, that I never had an interest in in the past. Um, particularly, I watch a ton of videos on quantum physics. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, I, wa- I watch a lot of videos on um, Jung um, and Freud. I watch a lot of um, information on consciousness. Mm-hmm. And um, Stuart ha- um, Haroff is, an, uh, is a, a medical doctor who does a great deal of work around consciousness. And he talks about uh, quantum physics and quarks. And he has a medical um, biological background, but he also operates in the um, physics arena. Mm-hmm. So um, it's r- really interesting to see the interplay of all these different disciplines. And when I do, when I look at how each of these disciplines are articulated, and I step back, you can start to see an, um, an, an interlacing of the disciplines and how they're seen across every discipline, but there is a, an overlap of those disciplines. So where uh, quantum physics will call certain phenomena um, by a certain terminology, spirituality might call it a different phenomena. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so by stepping back and looking at these different um, disciplines, um, if you will, you start to see the patterns and you start to see um, why people think the way they think and why they see the way they see and why we have conflict. Um, All too often, it comes down to the language we use. Our language is so limited. And we're trying to express so many things that we have limited language to express. And so a scientist will express their view of the world through their scientific language. Uh, a, myth, uh, a mystic will uh, express their view of the world through mystic language. Mm. You know, a business professional will express their view of the world through their business language. And so when you step back and um, look at it, we're all saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. But we're saying it through the different lenses and the different vernacular that we've been raised on. And I love to see those patterns and how they interact with one another um, because it enables us to better operate within the world. And when I say better operate within the world is not to be distracted by the limitations of our language um, and to understand what is underlying that, that language. What is the intention Um, What is the energy behind it? Because energy doesn't lie. You know, you can go into a room and they they can be smiling at you, but if you feel a different energy, you're going to feel a different energy. Okay? We all know that, what I'm talking about, where you walk into a room and you can cut the tension with a knife type of thing. (laughs) These these non-material aspects, um, I think, 
are an area for exploration. We have been so focused on the material um, aspects of our world, um, the hard and fast concrete um, aspects of our world. And I think, um, you know, we recognize it through psychological development that um, we are unable to see um, or recognize things that are non-concrete as a child. Okay, so it's the old absenteeism like peekaboo. Why is peekaboo so fun for little kids? Because they can't recognize non-concrete factor that you're just behind the hands. You know, you didn't actually disappear. You you know, you're you're still there. And so I liken that to our perspective on the greater world is how much attention are we paying to the non-material aspects of ourselves, our energies, where we get our energies, what drives us, what motivates us versus how we materially operate within the world. Because you've got to understand that the non-material informs the material. And it's just like what I had said before, who we are informs what we do. And so I think we've been such a a society so focused on the material for so long, the concrete, the construct, that we've um, not paid attention to or denied the aspect of ourselves that is immaterial, Mm -hmm. that is non-material. And that's the aspect of love, of compassion, of feelings, of energy. These are the things that drive what we do on a daily basis. They motivate us to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. They motivate us to continue to offer that extra energy and effort to help someone. And I think that when you step back and really look at um, what is driving me these days, it's exploration of that other side of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's, you know, we we operate in a left brain society. And that left brain really speaks to the structure, the material, the the concrete aspects of ourselves, the logic. Um, However, the right brain aspect of ourselves, the relational, uh, the humanistic, the compassionate, the the artistic side of ourselves, our society has for a long period of time uh, kind of denounced those aspects um, and marginalized those aspects. Um, and if you wanted to be successful, you didn't pay attention to those kind of things. You, you paid more attention to your left brain, uh, the more logical aspect of yourself. And so how are we compromising our, our full capable selves by only paying homage to the left brain aspect of ourselves, to the masculine side of ourselves versus the um, feminine or right brain or, um, or artistic side of ourselves? Mm-hmm. And so, to some extent, I feel like I've denied an aspect of myself for a great deal of time in my life. And I'm rediscovering who I am as a part of paying more attention and giving more energy and focus to the artist side of myself. Yeah. And what, what an incredible experience and it, um, that has been for me. It's opened my eyes to so many other things. And, you know, the irony of this is we are the last people to see ourselves as we are. Um, and I think that's so interesting because, you know, I've had so many occasions all my life where uh, I've come back home and I've told my wife, hey, this, per- this person sees me as a great teacher. This person is, tells me, you know, that I really do a good job with this, um, you know, teaching stuff and all that. And my wife's like, well, duh, I've been telling you this for years. I mean, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's those kind of things that... Well, we are remiss to internalize for ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and, um, you know, to that point, I had a college roommate that reached out to me for uh, resume support. Uh, he was in career transition, and I was talking to him about the process of developing a resume. And I said, really, it's an art and a science. And he said, Ryan, I've always known you're an artist, but I, I didn't know about the scientist uh, aspect. And, you know, I was like... Oh, wow, I never knew I was an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I was the opposite in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so underlying that, um, you know, I think I, I see that I was an artist. I mm-hmm. see that I did see the world through the lens of um, that full aspect of myself, which reconciled the artist, which reconciled um, the logical person as well. And so what I'm doing right now is focusing on how I can grow and completely be whole. And what I mean by that is to honor and and recognize the divine feminine and honor and recognize the divine masculine. And, And by so doing, I think that I can reconcile who I am. Um, and be a model for other people to reconcile aspects of their self, themselves that they've been remiss to look at in the past. That's great. I mean, clearly you're obsessed with it because you're so passionate about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that, I mean, I, well, you know this. We fully align on a lot of that. Yeah. We go down similar paths, and I'm sure all the listeners know that too because that's all the stuff that I'm routinely sharing. So um, let's... And kind of this conversation, and then we'll get into some fun... Oh, well, no, I have two more questions for you. Almost there. Um, So, and then we'll get into the fun questions, even though these are fun, too. Mm -hmm. So, uh, tell me about a time, talking about possibility. So, one of the things that always fascinates me about people is we want to have so much control of our lives. Mm -hmm. So, if my life is going to be happening, and I am living the life that I'm meant to live these things are going to happen in these order. And if they don't, then I'm doing something bad. Karma's against me, all these kinds of things. It's it's always not getting to my destiny. But what I always find, and maybe you find this with working with people, that there's doors that are opening, but because they don't look and sound like what I want or expect them to be like, I don't go through them. Yet I find that sometimes the greatest things have happened when I've chosen to go through them when I haven't been 100% sure why that door's even opening. Um, And I guess you could even make that argument about how I've connected with some of the people that do this showcase. Mm -hmm. But is there anything that really stands out to you one time where you had a possibility presented to you and you were really blown away by what the outcome was? Mm, Goodness, goodness, goodness. I, I, you know, when I was thinking about this, the opportunity that blew me away was the, had nothing to do with my career. Mm-hmm. It was personal. It was personal in nature, and um, the opportunity came down to recovery. Um, and so it was, uh, you know, what uh, I know, what I'm doing right now is not working. Mm-hmm. I know that. Um, uh, an alternative way approaching uh, this have, has worked for others. Let me try this alternative approach. And so I started to surround myself by people that um, have been successful in um, uh, their dealings with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so um, having a little bit of faith that, hey, this has worked for other people. I don't have to believe right now that it's going to work for me. I just have to believe that it worked for other people. And if I start doing what they did, I may have a chance that it will work for me too. And so having that kind of faith 
that, you know what, I, I can't see it right now, and I can't even believe that it could possibly be. Um, but yet, I'm going to suspend judgment. I'm not going to um, uh, say that this isn't going to work for me. I'm going to just put one foot in, in front of the other and start doing what other people ha- that have been successful have done in hopes that it will work for me too. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's sometimes that I um, see that within my career transition coaching that I do for folks. They can't see the notion that... Um, Doing these things will enable them to have greater alignment within their career Mm. um, because they've been so conditioned otherwise to not see those possibilities and those alternatives. And so I think a large part of what I do is enable people to break through that limited conditioning of what are the alternatives out there. Mm -hmm. It it just, it it kind of, I'm going to go off on another tangent here, but it kind of astounds me that in that in an infinitely fractal, fractal world, we are only presented with a binary choice for our political environment, mm. either Republican or Democrat. Okay. And because of that binary, um, it so creates limitations for us. And, and so that's a false binary that really, truly doesn't exist. But then we have all this conflict out in the world about this binary that doesn't truly exist yet in the minds of, of the people. Mm-hmm. And so all these opportunities exist for operating on a much higher level if we step back from what we've known in the past and let something else be birthed. Mm-hmm. Let something else exist that could be much greater than what we ever anticipated. But what we have to um, do to enable that to happen is to stop judging, Mm -hmm. suspend our judgment about the world around us, and start to pay attention. And And pay attention not only to what's going on around us, but how we're seeing the things that go on around us. And so are we immediately judging these instances, like you had said, as that's not the way I recognize it, so I'm going to deny it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, some of our greatest opportunities have come um, in a package that we've not recognized. Yeah. But we've, um, for whatever reason, gone forward with that, whether we had blind faith, whether we were up against the wall and had no other choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been through those experiences that I've been so fortunate to be to. Fortunately, I've suspended judgment long enough to pick up a little bit of what they've been telling me (laughs) and start to accumulate the positive results um, as a result of uh, following the steps and models prescribed. And so that enables me to help other people by looking back to my experience and how limited I saw the world. I can um, empathize and be compassionate for those people that are going through that that same struggle Mm -hmm. and really hold their hand as they go through that experience because that's what I needed is someone to say, I've been there, I've done it, you're not going crazy, you know, that um, just because we're shifting and shaking up your view of the world doesn't mean that things are wrong, things are bad, or things are uh, off the chain or crazy. It just means you're shifting the way you view and operate within the world. And that's where our growth comes from. That's where our evolution comes from. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to end talking about a place of power and being empowered. Um, And so I equate this to basically, you know, what makes you a super 
professional? Where do you feel the most empowered? Um, that you really kind of have a basis where you are empowered to do a certain work or have this supercharged power to help people. How does that um, come alive for you? Where do you feel the most empowered professionally to help people? Hmm. You know, I think about this in terms of giving and taking. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I want to be able to give more than I take in the world. And so, you know, as... You know, as I'm heading out of this world, I want to be able to look back and say that I gave a lot more than I took. Um, so uh, what drives me is a sense of satisfaction that I've done just that, that I've given more than I've taken. Um, because ultimately, I think that's how we're best remembered, is um, what have we contributed to the lives of others? And so that's what drives me, is have I enabled others to... Um, realize and achieve a quality of life that they may not have known otherwise. Mm. Um, so that's what really drives me. And, and you know, in, in desire of my own level of quality of life and, and um, own life satisfaction and purpose, um, is the more I seek that for myself, the, way, the more I can share that with others as well. Um, so, you know, it, it may seem counterintuitive, but I cannot give what I do not have, okay? Mm -hmm. You can't pour from an empty cup. And so I'm um, going through these experiences, um, teaching myself as much as I possibly can by examining uh, who I am, what my motivations are, how I feel about things, in order to be able to share those learnings with other people so that they, can, they too can do those things. Mm -hmm. You know, we all um, benefit as a result of that. Um, and, I, you know, I, I often say, may the tides of humanity rise in each, in each of us so that it may rise in all of us. Mm. And I think that's really what it comes down to, is if we can start to develop these, um, these notions and learning and, and desire to give um, and benefit others, those that are around us, we all elevate as a result of that. We all benefit as a result of that. Um, and... Unfortunately, that really flies in the face of an individualistic society, a society that is operated based on uh, lack um, or limits. Um, and so um, where money is the predominant or economics is the predominant societal conditioning method, we start to compromise ourselves in the humanitarian aspects of ourselves. Mm. And so, you know, I have long held the belief that people are more important than money. And I think it, it almost sounds silly to say it out loud because, of course, people are more important than money. But everything, I mean everything, that I see outside of myself in the corporate environment tells me something different. And so it's that dichotomy that I'm also trying to reconcile in the world outside of me, mm -hmm. um, is that we, we really do recognize and understand, and not only just uh, as a matter of um, words, um, but we operate based on the basis that people are more important than money. Wow. Well, thank you, Ryan. So we're going to do a, a lightning round of random questions. Um, I'm going to tell you this because I think you'll appreciate it. These questions came from a series of 
articles on how to liven up your hiring process that are not from credible sources. Let's just put that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. So basically, obviously, there's no right or wrong here. We're just going to see what kind of comes to mind. So question number one, if a five-year-old child came up to you and asked you if Santa Claus is real, what would you tell them? Absolutely. Thank you. My gosh. I don't understand why everyone else was so stumped. Uh, number two, if that same five-year-old child asked you, what do you do for a living, how would you describe that to them? Um, I would tell them that I help people that work become better at what they do. Oh, that's good. I don't think It's only because I had uh, attended a career day last week where I went in and did five sessions of talking to fifth graders about what it is to be a human resources professional. <laughs> Because I had to think about this. How am I going to describe what an HR professional is to fifth graders? I hire and then fire your mommy and daddy. That's basically. <laughs> I had to say it something like that, but a little bit different. Yeah. Oh, All right. Number three. If you were allowed to and given the ability to still credit for any intellectual property out there, music, books, artwork, what would you want to steal credit for and Why? Hmm. Something that I've already developed? Nope. You can take it from somebody else. You could say it was yours. You could say you were the inventor of the post-it. You were the one that made the light bulb. What would you want to slap on and get rid of the original person and say, I did that? Uh, Daniel Goleman's Emotional Intelligence. Uh, Yeah, that's right up here. I would definitely say that. Um, I think Daniel um, has enabled us to see... um, emotional intelligence and the importance of emotional intelligence and how we operate in the world around us. Um, and he's been be, been able to put it in a, a, a category or a digestible format for society. And I think that's been very important. Uh, it's not only what we're saying, but how we're saying it. And can people pick it up and really resonate with it? And I think he did a really nice job with that. Very cool. All right, so imagine with me that our country was being taken over by the animal kingdom. Mm. And we were now given the right to um, elect a animal breed as a president. So there you go. No more two options. There's a lot more coming to you. <laughs> what animal breed do you think you would elect and why? Mm. And it can be an insect type because we had somebody else who had to have an insect. <laughs> Uh, I would probably say a miniature golden doodle. Oh. I have a miniature golden doodle, um, in full disclosure. Uh, And she's the sweetest little thing (laughs) in the world. Um, Doesn't have a malice bone in her body. And... um, is so excited to see you when you come home, is excited at all times, um, is just a sweetheart and loves to snuggle. Um, so I, I think that uh, the leader of the country or the leader, whoever that may be, uh, needs a little more compassion for the people mm. uh, rather than uh, agendas for uh, their personal self-aggrandizement. Yeah. Wow, that would definitely shake things up, having an alternative... Um, and she's hypoallergenic. <laughs> there you go. No sneezing involved. That's good. I like it that she is big enough that I won't have to worry about stepping on her. Right. Um, 
So if you had the ability to mandate one office practice across the country, what would that be? And if you had the ability to ban one thing from offices across America, what would that be? Ooh. Whew. I definitely have ideas on what I would mandate. <laughs> um, it occurs to me that we don't take the time as a regular practice in the work environment to reflect. Um, and the processing that occurs through reflection um, is where the growth occurs. Mm. However, we're constantly moving in a forward direction, and therefore we're not learning, we're just doing. Mm. And so I think we continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again um, without recognizing it as a result of not taking the uh, pause for the cause and reflecting. Um, so how that's done, whether it's done through a meditative practice or um, just an opportunity to say, what did we learn? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would institutionalize that reflection component. Wow. So what would you ban? So um, <laughs> that's, that's a harder question for me. I would ban the notion of, um, hmm, <laughs> that, that's hard. You know, immediately my mind goes to blind authority. Mm. And what I mean by blind authority is, you know, this notion of I'm in a position of power, therefore you have to do what I, have, what I say. Um, so I would ban this um, notion of authority based on positional power. Uh, I think it's the most weakest type of leadership and power there is. Um, and so if your only um, uh, motivator or drive as a leader is to threaten people, I think that then you're not a leader. And so I would ban threats and abusive and bullying behavior in the work environment. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, two more, and then we're finished. So number six, uh, they say that everyone has a great app idea. What's yours? Mm. Um, yes, I do, as a matter of fact. It's a, uh, it's a work-life balance app. Uh, I think we're continuously struggling um, to have balance, um, and that's a very fluid process in and of itself. But if we don't manage it, it won't happen, and we fall into certain uh, ruts Mm -hmm. about what we're going to pay attention to. And then it's only as a result of um, certain pain of not paying attention to certain aspects of our our, uh, life balance that brings us back into some type of equilibrium. Well, how can we continue to make sure that that wheel of life is as round as we can make it Mm -hmm. by paying attention on a regular basis to all aspects? Mm -hmm. So my app would encourage that. Cool. And last but not least, you already kind of mentioned her, your puppy dog. What is her name again? Ginger. Ginger. So if I had the ability to sit down with Ginger and ask her to give me a reference on you, what do you think she would share with me? (laughs) Hmm. I think she would share that um, he loves me, he squeezes me, (laughs) he takes care of me, Um, but I wish he would take me on longer walks. Um, it's true that uh, I feel for her sometimes because I'm, I'm working away and she just wants to play and uh, I'm having to kind of push her away a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think she would probably just like a little more attention, a little more direct me time. Oh, very good. Well, Ryan, those were all the questions that I had for you today. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with everyone before we close out? I want to thank you, um, you know, for so many things, um, and not least of which is your friendship um, and your uh, relationship um, as a professional colleague as well. Um, it's 
it's been so wonderful, and and to be able to, you know, when you ask the question of how how do we meet, you know, that really took me back to that experience and how we've continued to grow together, how we've continued to interact with one another, the honor it's been to participate in the Gentlemen's Architecture Conference, the honor it's been to participate in um, different events that you've held here at Leadership Arts. Um, and I hope our relationship continues to grow in that fashion because I have such great respect for what you do. Um, and um, I would love to be able to continue to collaborate and contribute to it. Well, thank you, Ryan, for saying that. And obviously the feeling is mutual. You are one of uh, my colleagues that I respect very highly. Um, and like I said, I, I highly value any time that I get to sit down with you. It's an added benefit when I get to record it and share it with others. But any conversation, I mean, my gosh, even catching up over lunch and coffee is always incredible and um, truly a blessing for me. So uh, I will be putting links to how you can get in contact with Ryan McShane if you're interested in learning more about him and his company, HR Evolution, in the show notes. But once again, thank you for your time today. And I know that I'll talk to you later. And I'm sure Leadership Arts... They will see more of you. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) It's been an honor and a pleasure, Sam. Thank you so much. Thank you so much again for taking time out of your very busy lives during this holiday season to listen to my interview with Ryan McShane, featuring him in the 2017 Grateful Showcase. Um, I know that you probably got some wealth of nuggets and wisdom and takeaways. Uh, it was just an incredible affirming and blessing, um, to be able to interview Ryan and spend that time with him. And so please, please share this episode with your friends and families, tag somebody that you know could benefit specifically from Ryan's story, uh, using any of the social media channels that you choose. On top of that, if you want to help the heart of it, get some traction. The number one way to do that is via iTunes by leaving us a review. And as always, I love to hear your insights, your reactions, your questions as you're listening to these episodes. That is the reason why I keep doing these for over the last three years. It's been your feedback. So send me a message at Sam with two M's, S-A-M-M at leadership is art. And next week, I'm going to close out the 2017 Grateful Showcase with my final guest, Miss Amanda King. She is the founder of Operum HR Consulting and the author of the book, HR Made Simple. We're going to chat a little bit. You'll learn um, about having accountability partners, having um, colleagues that you can peer colleagues that you uh, can have around you that really support you because that's really what she is for me, especially as a business owner and an entrepreneur. Um, And then on top of that, um, I'll share with you just this fun little story about how I jokingly considered although I really am still half tempted to call her my magic eight ball. Um, so let me, uh, let me leave you on that thought, pique your curiosity and you'll have to join me next week. Have a great week, everybody. See ya.